Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Joshua Berglund, who is the world's mayor, and he's going to get to tell us a little bit more about what exactly that means. Joshua, how you doing? I'm blessed, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. I've never been asked that question. That's interesting. Uh, my wife and I, who you just met off camera um, or off air, uh, we run the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation and Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, we're a full service media organization and we have our own broadcasting network that covers TV, radio, podcasts, social media, and so on. Uh, we have our own app on Roku and Amazon Fire, which is a huge blessing. Um, Man, uh, we are best-selling authors of a book, The Devil Inside Me. You can see some of our awards right behind me. Uh, we made a film. Uh, my wife is a brilliant filmmaker, and uh, we made a film that I voiced, um, and it's about my life, uh, which we have also have a book that was we were very blessed to uh, for it to become an international bestseller. And um, man, we we love we love living our lives in service to other people. Um, people call me a shock jock evangelist. Because, well, <laughs> I'm a different kind of preacher. Um, but really, man, I, I, we live our lives in service to other people. We love elevating other people's voices, their message, their passion, their purpose. And with that, it gives me a sense of purpose. And I, and I love that. And considering that I lived a life of evil and <laughs> very, very evil, messed up, gross, evil, screwed up life, to know that now I get this opportunity it's every day is a gift and every day is a blessing. And uh, what do I do for fun? Well, we love, we, I love to work out, love to travel, love meeting new people. We, people kind of joke around and say that we're stray dogs um, because we just make friends with everybody and, you know, and it's a fun life. So I, I guess every day is fun and every day is a blessing and even getting on, even getting to tackle some very hardcore and dark subjects. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a blessing. I love it. I love it. I think you touched on it a little bit, but let's jump into your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Well, there's a lot, but here's the deal. I should still be in prison. Um, I, or I should be in prison. And I, so every day is a gift. And I mean that, I mean that literally, I, I think about what my life was and now what it gets to be. It truly is just, it's a, it's a blessing. So motivation is knowing that there's other people that need to be served. There's other voices that have been silenced. There's people that, I think I, I said this before we started, you know, there's people that are locked in shadow prisons that we've never heard of for crimes that they didn't commit. There's people that are, have been there's there's kids being abused all over the world that don't have a voice. So we wake up knowing that there's a lot of people hurting in silence. And our whole mission is to give people a voice and to elevate their voice. So it's easy to be motivated with a purpose like that. I love it. 
tell us a bit more about your story. What landed you in prison? What was it like getting out of prison? Like what has changed? Which time? So much? <laughs> Listen, man, I, so my, my story is in a book called The Devil Inside Me, written by Joshua T. Berglund and Jessica Lynn, who's my wife. Um, and it, there's a lot there, a lot. So I'll just try to keep it short. I grew up with every advantage and every privilege you can imagine. Um, I'm mean, going to the country club every day, going on vacations, great schools, great everything. Um, but it didn't mean that trauma didn't hit home. Um, I was abandoned as a kid. Uh, my, or by my sisters disappeared. Uh, was physically abused by my father, verbally abused, sexually abused by men and women, uh, which went on for a while. Um, I didn't have a voice. I was scared to have a voice because I was afraid bad things that were going to happen to me or even my family. Um, you know, that was one side of it. So not having a voice for me turned out into this hostile, angry, confused, damaged little boy. And I became a monster myself. I developed what's called DID, which is disassociative identity disorder. I was a chem sex addict for almost 20 years. Um, I have HIV. Um, I'm thank God for the uh, medication that's out because I've now live a healthy life. Um, you know, the, the jails, this, I was in jail six times. The final time, um, I was facing five years, two times for domestic assault, uh, two other times for fighting one time for prostitution. And the other was a DUI, but to be honest with you, I should be in prison for way worse. I did way worse crimes than that. Um, I made a wreck of my life, been, was divorced three times, lost the right to see my children, overdosed six times, I've been homeless, and so on. And when I tell you every day is a gift, it's because my final time in jail, when I gave my life to the Lord, um, and which was not my intention, by the way, I didn't go to jail and go, you know what I'll do? I'm going to give my life to Jesus just so I can get out of jail and be okay. That's not how it was. In fact, my whole conversation with God started by basically dropping F-bombs and cursing them out. But I had a moment, I had an experience that forever changed my life. And I made a commitment then that my life was no longer my own and I was gonna live it in service to other people using basically these gifts that I've been given to help people. And so I committed like, okay, if, even if it's behind bars, I'm gonna serve you. And then four days later, I got out of jail with no charges and I've been serving the Lord since. That is so epic. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I would love to hear more about uh, that moment. Like, what was, did it feel weird being so raw and authentic with God in that first time talking to him? Like, tell us about it. Well, so <laughs> first of all, I'll start right after I got arrested or when I was going through the booking process. I told them that I had HIV, thinking that I was going to get special privileges. I was a bit of a narcissist, thinking that I deserved special privileges because I had HIV. I just didn't. L.A. County is kind of scary. I'd already been there once. I didn't. <laughs> and my experience wasn't all that great. Um, but when I got put in the jail, I was still high on coke and had a bottle of tequila. And it took an eight ball and a half blow that I had done the night before. It took about 24 hours for me to really comprehend where I was at. And I'm in this small cell and I can't see anything in front of me as far as like, there's no window out and there's no windows on the side. Like it's just this hole basically, but I could hear the people next to me. 
And there's these maddening, deafening screams. And with DID and like noise and sensory, sensory issues can cause, used to cause me to switch into the different altars. It was maddening for me. And so then I'm like, oh God, I need something to read. I need to distract myself. Like there was no TV, nothing. And so I start begging the guard for something to read. And they're like, no, that we don't, we don't give people things to read here. I swear to you, I saw an Oz. I swear on Oz, they have to give you a Bible. So I end up, when he comes back, I ask for a Bible just because I needed something to read. And uh, they brought me this little Gideon Bible, one of those little super small ones. And I start reading Genesis. I start laughing like, what, whatever, come on. <laughs> and, then I, and then I go to Revelation and I read Revelation. Let me just tell you, when you're coming off cocaine and alcohol, Revelation in jail is not the thing to read. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's not. So I went to, I went to Proverbs and then I started reading Proverbs. And then as I'm reading Proverbs, like, oh, wow, I've been doing that wrong, been doing that wrong. I've really been doing that wrong and that and that and like went through the whole book basically going, wow, I suck at life. So then it woke me up to go, I got really pissed off at God because here it is. I remember all the times I tried to turn my life around after every time I'd been arrested, after every time my name was in the paper for doing something stupid. I, I, I just were like, I remember all those times begging God to change me. And here it is now, I'm, I'm facing five years in jail. So I get super angry and I just start screaming at God. Why won't you fix me? Why won't you treat me like everybody else? And of course, and I'm cursing. Which I don't know, God, God I guess is a big boy because he didn't really care about me cursing because he talked back and he said, you have to forgive your father. Well, how in the F am I supposed to do that after what he did to me, what he did to my mom? because it happened to him too. And so in that moment, it happened to him too. My father, I showed up late to his funeral, hot because I was at an orgy the night before with my girlfriend um, and we were doing blow and having sex with strangers and all this crap up until uh, 6 a.m. Fell asleep, the funeral started at eight. I showed up at 9.15, still high as a kite, like cocaine was starting to pour out of me. I made a mockery of my father's funeral. I hated his guts. I hated him for everything. But in that moment, I realized that I had not only had I become like my father, I was worse, like way worse. Everything that I hated my dad for, I did way worse times 10. And so that compassion made me realize that I spent all this time hating my dad, but really, I needed to ask him for forgiveness as much as I needed forgiveness from God or anybody else. If I, as much as I needed to forgive him, I needed forgiveness from him. So I'm weeping, crying, saying, I understand now, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Go through this whole process. And then I just say, God, I'm done running. I'm done running. You've shown me what you wanted from me, and I just ran. I didn't want this. I didn't want that life. I didn't want all of these things that you've shown me. Because every, and I should back this up and say, every time something bad happened, every time I was arrested or publicly humiliated 
or every time something traumatic happened with being sexually abused or physically abused or getting in a car wreck and or overdosing, God would show me a different life, get the glimpse of it, like this picture in my head. And I realized that that was God telling me what was possible if I chose him and chose the life he had for me. So I said, I'm done running. Take my life, it's yours. I surrender. And I swear to you, man, I would not be able, especially in this climate that we're in now and with all the crazy going on, if I didn't have that supernatural experience, I swear to you, when I said, take my life, it's yours, I got hit like lightning, the top of my head, down to my feet, knocking me on my butt and lifting me up at the same time. If I didn't have that experience, I don't know if I would be able to have been still walking with the Lord six years later. Because it's been tough, it's been challenging, it's actually been harder than my life of evil, to be honest with you. Because standing up for that, for Jesus, or being who you believe that Jesus wants you to be, like walking that rope, is a lot crazier and more insane than I did when I was high on meth and coke and everything else. But I, if I, that supernatural experience changed everything, and and here's what I learned, I ended up getting when I got out of jail. For some reason, when I, I, I that time of saying I'm committed to changing my life, I meant it, meaning I was committing to do the work every single day to get to know God, to get to know my. And what I've learned was the more I've gotten to know God, the more I've gotten to know Jesus. Really, I've learned more about who I am. And God has healed me from multiple personality disorder, which is DID. God's healed me from that. God's restored everything in my life that I lost. Man, I lost my kids, homes, wealth. I went to LA with a million dollars when I was homeless eight months later. Like I, everything that I've lost, God has restored and then replenished 10 times over. And the only thing that's not back in my life yet are my two twins, but that day is coming soon. And it's all, like all glory goes to God for that because I chose the life he had for me. And it's been, a, it's my life has been a miracle ever since. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It reminds me of the, the book of Job a little bit. <laughs> I lost everything, got it back tenfold. Um, tell us, I want to hear a little bit more about forgiveness because i think i noticed a similar narrative with myself and my father i am turning out to be more like him than i would have wanted to be and it's because there's some forgiveness that needs to happen so but i'm confused i don't know what forgiveness like <laughs> like it's just it's just a word in my head like i don't know so could you walk me through it a bit well I have to be honest and say that I would never have been able to forgive without compassion. Hmm. So the way I've been able to reframe, I mean, I, I, I've like forgiveness and I think about my abusers and I think about all of this stuff, like how I've been able to go in and forgive. And it's literally going, they didn't learn it. They didn't wake up and go, I want to be an abuser or a cheater or a narcissist, or I didn't want to grow up obsessed with work. So I don't pay any attention to you. I didn't, you know, I don't believe my father was born to never say, Hey, Joshua, I'm proud of you. Good job for winning that golf tournament or good job for winning, you know, the championship in football, whatever. I never heard that good, great job for getting scholarships in golf and football. Like I never heard those things. Like nothing was ever good enough. 
But the thing is, is that my dad learned it from someone else, which was his dad and his mom. He was a he was molested too. And and so and physically abused and really probably not really he was probably neglected also. So he learned that. So I now look at it like, yeah, you know what? He should have picked up a damn book and read it and or gone to therapy or gone on medication or not been an abuser and cheater. I, I can say all that stuff. But if I think about it, that generation, it wasn't cool for guys to talk about their feelings. Like that was, they were still basically cavemen back then. You know, wife stays at home, works, or stays at home, raises the kids, has food on the table by five. That's that generation. Yep. And that generation was bred a bunch of freaking narcissists, really, because men got comfortable in their position of authority. Like, where's my, where's my food, woman? But I've been at a happy hour, like, you know, sleep, like hanging out with my secretary. I'm trying to get in her pants before I go home, right? Men took advantage of their role of authority. We lost that authority, kind of like Adam and Eve. When they sinned, we lost our authority on earth, right? Well, men were put into this position as the head of the household, but we neglected our kids. We neglected our families. We neglect. So they, that generation learned that. So then we, our generation, get to see our parents fighting, getting divorced, find out mommy, mommy or daddy's cheating on each other. Dad beats the crap out of mom, so on, so on. And then we get that carried on to us. And then we get the opportunity to break that cycle. And what an opportunity it is. So now, because of the compassion, I was able to forgive because I have understanding. And now that I've been able to forgive and then forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive because forgiveness has layers, kind of like truth. But forgiveness has been an exercise. And the more I've learned to forgive my father, the more I've actually started to see how much of a positive impact he's had on my life. Because even though he taught me important lessons, the best lessons he taught me were what not to do. (laughs) And that in itself, I get to be grateful for that. Look, if I can honestly sit here and tell you in the face right now that I'm grateful that I have HIV, to say that I'm grateful for being in jail six times, for overdosing, if I can say I'm grateful for that, I can also say that I'm grateful for the piece of crap father that my dad was. And I could love him for it because now I'm able to see the lessons that he was trying to teach me. And I could be grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you for that. I was forgetting about the compassion piece of forgiveness. And um, I will say it has helped. You know, I got out into the real world. I started thinking about my dad growing up in America and like, being black in the 50s and 60s and 70s and I was like man if I'm struggling like this and it's like 2017 2018 I can only imagine what it was like and that led to me like that led to that understanding which helped me go through one layer two layers three layers of forgiveness so I appreciate that that you know and and I think about the generation you know of African Americans from the 50s and 60s and I can't speak to that because I one wasn't alive But what I've been able to learn little by little after moving to Minneapolis, and I got to learn about red line and gentrification and some of the other issues that have that happen in the inner cities. 
I got to tell you, I feel I feel jaded and spited and and ripped off when I'm not given a second look by a casting director or if I'm overlooked for an opportunity and I'm a white dude in America, you know, which doesn't have the same weight it did then. But still, I there's certain luxuries to being white. There just are. Yeah. And so as I've learned some of these issues, it's been no wonder we have generational poverty. No, no wonder we have these generational curses that just don't seem to leave because people don't know how to escape it. And like, I got to tell you, it's like the system has been rigged against certain people. And I'm not an apology. I will never apologize for how God created me. I'm not going to apologize for being white. But I have to admit, the more I've educated myself on certain subjects, African-Americans went through, and, and even the Asian population too, and even Hispanics, but African-Americans who built our inner cities, they've gone through some stuff that just isn't fair, isn't right. And now, I mean, I know some people have broken out of it, but I would say the majority have not. Yeah. And something's got to be done about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, <laughs> when I started learning that, like I knew it was real growing up, but it became real in a different way when I was on my own as an adult. And that led to that understanding. Well, awesome, Joshua. Let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals now. Tell us about your vision for your life. I get excited talking about this because this is really a my wife and I subject. But so I'll give I'm going to give the fastest version possible. Our goal with our foundation, the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation, is to build media literacy centers all over the world primarily in the United States, inner cities, but all over the world, India, um, you know, Tokyo, Japan, Moscow, Russia, uh, all over the Middle East, Sydney, Australia, Mexico City. But the, the vision was born out of, well, was vision was born out of a vision that God gave me um, and why we started our media organization to begin with. I can't get a regular job because of my record. But I'm fortunate that I knew what success looked like. So I knew the work ethic it was required. I was good at being able to network. And I've always been in service. I'm driven by service. So all of my intellectual property has come from like the elites of the world in all things media, filmmaking, TV, products, distribution, you name it. Like I've learned from the best of the best because I showed up to serve and I never acted like I was too good for anything. So anyway, long story short, I have a passion and a skill set that makes me, well, will you say it so I don't have to about media? I'm a genius when it comes to media. I'm a genius. <laughs> You're a genius with everything, though. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I, I'm, this is my particular skill set is media. And without going into all the stories and how and prove it, you don't have enough time. But I know what it's like to not be able to get a job because of my record. But I also know with media, you can make your dreams come true. And moving into the new era that we're going into, the new world that we're heading into, we are all going to need media, not the way we use it now. I'm saying our, all of our organizations will be media first. So with that said, I think about the, the dollar amount of education that I have when it comes to media knowledge. I know what other people charge to teach it. Well, guess what? People with prison records and the youth, 
They're not going to have that kind of money to be able to pay to learn those things, to get them ready for the real world. I don't care about the world's success and what that looks like. I want to elevate the people that have been held down and suppressed. We are going to elevate and we're going to break generational cycles of poverty, of abuse, of addiction, and so on. We're going to create opportunities for the youth where they don't have to resort to gang banging, drug dealing, or any of that stuff, because they have an opportunity where they get to use their imaginations. They get to step into their gift, their natural talents, screw college, screw the, the, what the schools are trying to teach these kids. And by the way, we've had propaganda shoved up our butts ever since we were born. So this is the school system and it's always been screwed up as far as I'm concerned. But that said, I know that if you know media, you can do anything. So we are going to build media literacy centers all over the world. So if you think about the boys and girls clubs and community, those community places where you could go play ping pong or basketball, and it used to be a safe place until they lost funding. Well, we're gonna step in with, and we're gonna take over these, these buildings that are gonna be abandoned, that are abandoned, we're not going to build anything new. We're going to, you know, use historic buildings, buildings that are empty and people are going to give them to us or we're going to buy them either way or and or. And we're going to create a safe place for kids to go to learn all things technology, all things media so that they can create opportunities and careers for themselves. And here's the other thing about media. With media, you immediately create new revenue streams and new possibilities because like a TV show, if you knew what went into making a TV show and how many businesses were supported, then this would make more sense because you would see yourself as the center of the universe as a TV show. So now you've got you know 20 million people watching a show. Well, now it's 20 million people watching you and what you create. So you have all of these new revenue streams that have now been created for you. So now you can create a legacy. Now you can provide for your family. Now you don't need to gangbang. Now you don't have to look over your shoulder because you're breaking the law because no, not only are you creating for yourself and creating opportunities for yourself, but now through media, you're creating for other people. So then you get to elevate other people too. So we're now media is being used, has been a weapon, has been weaponized against the people. Well, this gets to change because when you use media with purpose, and you're not using it to hurt people or to control them or program them, you're using it to elevate other people, then you can change the world because you're pulling people out of poverty that would normally not have the opportunity for that. So these media centers will serve as a community center, yes, but it's also gonna be something that allows them and equips them to go on to live the life of their dreams and to live a life of freedom because the only options coming up are gonna be accept universal income, or do what you can to stay ahead of AI because AI is gonna be taking a lot of different jobs. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't wanna sit there and obey the government and take my $2,000 a month and shut up. I wanna do more with my life. I wanna create other opportunities. I wanna create film and so on. Oh, so the, the other part with the media, not just the media centers, but we have a project called The Devil Inside Me, which is our book. And we have a movie called The Devil Inside Me. We made for free. We did just use B-roll. And we've, won, we've been blessed to win 11 film award, our film festivals so far. But we actually want to create that and turn that into a franchise, not just to make the movie about me, 
but also because we have other shows that we develop for other people. We have other programs. We want to take other people's stories and turn this into a franchise to help elevate these other voices. Because one thing I know more than anything else, when they say the truth will set you free, there's a lot of layers to it. But truth to me is a superpower. And these stories, these true stories, we don't need fiction when real life is crazy enough. And these real stories and the way that we've packaged it and the way that we're gonna set it up is going to be able to help these people that have their stories told go on to go on to speaking careers, writing books and so on. Because again, this all goes back to our media program. This is a great way because some people, the only option they have is going on stage and talking or being a, a talk show host or whatever. Like that, that may be all they're able to do because it could be a mental health reason. It could be the fact that their prison record's freaking scary. <laughs> so this may be the only outlet for them. And when you, but that's okay because intellectual property is quite monetizable if you know media. Anyway, I could talk about this for five hours, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love that. I love that you um, have kind of gotten at the crux of like how important media is, and you see that because something I've learned recently with a lot of entrepreneurs, you see a lot of stuff popping up, and then you see a lot of people being successful over and over and over again, and it's really because they know how to corral attention and I think that's like one of the key parts of media like you are able to capture people's attention and then like get them excited about it multiply it etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, I think that's cool specifically with Gary Vee and his NFT launch just stupid amounts of money that he made and he was able to build a community because he has so much attention I just I think it's amazing and I'm looking forward to those media literacy centers being up I am too, man. I, I am too. I, because, you know, hope, I remember what it was like with almost no hope. And I remember the phone call I got that saved my life. I mean, I, of course, there's multiple times that my life needed to be saved, but the point is this, I, if I can just give people as many people as possible, I mean, billions, I want to help, I want to help a number of people that I will never meet but to know that people are walking around with no hope with it rips me apart because I, I know the damage that I did before. And like, I always had like an ounce of hope because I knew what success looked like. I knew that, Hey, I can turn this around, but I was just in so much pain. And it was hurting so bad and I was hurting other people and I was lying and I was a narcissist and it was all those things. But like somewhere deep down in the back of my head, I had this little grain of hope. And that was enough to keep me from just pulling the trigger. But I know there's a lot of people suffering in silence and, and sometimes the people that are suffering in silence are they're keep, keeping their abusers secret or they have a secret and they're hurting because they're, secretly gay or secretly bisexual and they they're confused about that look man my i understand all that i mean i was molested by men and women like i didn't know what i was sexually and then of course when i was changing all the time with the different personalities that's kind of weird and we won't spend any time on that but i know what it's like to wake up and not know who the hell i am i know what it's like to be lost and confused and like to go where do i turn i don't have anyone to trust i know I know 
what it's like to lose everything, including my sanity and, and my family. And to sh- I know what it's like to shame my family. And my family was, you know, pretty well known, is pretty well known. And I shamed them publicly. Like you ended up in the papers and people gossip about it. And here it is, it's been six years later and people still want to believe that I'm the same guy I was, even though my fruits speak differently. My point is that it's never too late to turn your life around. It's never too late for your dreams to come true. I mean, unless you're dead, but if you're still breathing, God still has a plan for you. There we go. And that, and that may be hard for some people to understand, but read my book. If you want to know, it's an un, it, it, it's triggering. But I'm telling you, if you think you've done evil and bad in this world and you are ashamed for who you are, or you're ashamed of the things that you've done, read my book. Read my book. And I promise you one thing, you'll go, well, if he can talk about this and be honest, then I can too. And you know what? Sometimes just being honest is enough to take that first step in faith to heal. Because truth is a superpower that doesn't discriminate. Truth is a superpower that not only will set the person free, but it'll set all the people that are silenced because of you free also. And then you start to go, wait a second. Now these people that are coming to my life, these people are here for me. Because another thing, I say this all the time on my show, the truth attracts your tribe. Meaning, if you're living a lie, you have a double life, you're cheating on your spouse, you're, you're, you're hiding, you're keeping secrets. Those people around you that you're feeding all the BS to aren't there for you. Those aren't your people. Because, again, what you're saying is what you're attracting back to you. So speak, if you want good people in your life, if you have, hard, if you have trouble trusting Who's in your life? The people around you, you're always looking over your shoulder. You're insecure. Does anyone love me? Ask yourself a very simple question. Are you being honest? Are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with others? Because I promise you, truth will attract your tribe. And that is a surefire way to set things in motion, to making your dreams come true and helping you heal. Mm, I love it. Oh, that's, I love it so much. (laughs) Awesome. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards getting those media literacy centers up and franchising the devil inside me, who would they be and how would they do it? You know, it's so funny because I know the obvious are like the Bezos and Elon Musk. But for me, Jason Cisneros, he's the first man I ever trusted in my life. First man I ever felt safe around. Uh, I know what he's about, know the life he used to live, know what he does now. I would say Jason Cisneros and he would be the one. Um, and my wife, of course. And, and I say this because, look, I, we will gratefully accept any and all blessings from 
you know, from that believe, people that align with our vision and believe in us, well, I'm happy to receive it. I would not, Jeff Bezos believes in what we're doing. God bless him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I had to choose my partner to go do all this with, I would choose Jason Cisneros because he's not only a, a brilliant, brilliant man, not only does he understand business better than anyone on the planet, um, and I mean this sincerely, I've seen him rescue some of the largest companies in the world. Um, and yeah, even large companies need rescuing, but he's also a real life superhero. And so I would choose him because I also know for the subjects that we are, the heat that we are going to face, I know he's the kind of guy that would stand right by my wife and I and take him on. So I'd choose Jason Cisneros. There we go. Name the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you bring these media literacy centers to fruition and franchise the devil inside. Wait, right, say that question one more time. The most important one or two things that everyday people, you know, the people in the grocery store, the people at the car shop can do to help you accomplish these dreams and goals. Well, pray. Um, I, I, we believe in the power of prayer. But one example that you can that you could do is come on our program, Gratitude Unfiltered or Grace Unfiltered. Basically, this is part of our church. It's not basically this is this is it. We have a mission to redefine church because there's a lot of people out there that have not felt welcome, including myself uh, in the church. And I've been following Jesus for six years. Like I live my life in service to the Lord and I'm not welcome in most churches. And uh, and maybe it's because I'm honest about my sin. I don't know. But we created two platforms that we produce all of it. <laughs> what? Dude, you just roasted like 98% of Christianity. <laughs> oh, but I'm being honest. I, I know. It was just fun. I, it was very I could read you. I got rejection letters. Listen, I, so I, I, I submit myself for acting and commercials and things like that. Casting directors very rarely email back if you don't get the part. But they'll say, hey, we've already booked it, but we're going to save your stuff because we like you. Like, you'll get that. Oh, no. These churches? Churches actually send rejection letters. And they go, yeah, you're not a right fit for our congregation. Telling the freaking truth. My testimony. My testimony, which I'm commanded to do by the in the Bible. <laughs> like, I, my, my truth of how I found Jesus is not welcome? Go F yourself. You're crazy. That's insanity to me. It's insanity. It's insanity because they they never mind. I I'm gonna I'm not going there. Anyway, <laughs> so we created gratitude unfiltered and grace unfiltered. Gratitude unfiltered for the men, and basically no matter where, and then and grace unfiltered for the women. No matter where they are at in their walk with the Lord, they get the pulpit to share the message that's on their heart to share. This is not about being, oh, I know all the Bible and uh, yeah, this, this really means this and that really means that. None of that crap. It's none of that. It's sharing their heart. This is what God did for me. This is what God saved me from. This is the evil that I was doing. And this is how God changed my life. And we have other people that have done it that are actually ministers, but in their own congregation, they can't share this message that they are feel led to share because of the hierarchy. That to me, there's nothing that has Jesus in that, if you ask me. Nothing. 
You should be able to say, I should, as a follower of Christ, be able to look at my other brothers in Christ to go, I'm really struggling with lust and of my old way of doing sex, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. I'm struggling with these desires. I'm struggling with these drug cravings right now. I'm struggling and I'm looking at these pictures. I'm looking at these videos and I can't stop, but I've got to scratch this itch. I don't know what to do. If men can't feel safe about going to other men to share their problems and what they're struggling with, then we are doing God, this God thing way, way wrong. Because truth is important. Your secrets are poison. Nothing but mushrooms grow good in the dark. Your secrets turn to cancer. It's poison for your soul. And if, I, if I'm afraid to be honest with another brother, what does that mean? What does it mean? And if another woman can't go to another woman going, my husband, he's not paying any attention to me. He calls me fat and he doesn't want to have sex with me. And I've got this guy at my work. He's so sweet to me. And he says, and he says like all the right things. And he's like, he's into bigger girls and like, Hey, it's kind of a thing. And like, and, 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 he's, and he's, he speaks to my heart. If a woman can't say that to another sister in Christ in confidence and feel safe about doing it, do you know what's going to happen? She's going to go cheat. She's going to wreck her marriage, wreck her kids. She's going to be called a whore. And then this cycle starts of a broken home, broken kids. Mom's a cheater. Dad's a whore. Dad's an abuser. And the cycle continues. That happens because we're afraid to be honest. I thank God every single day that he has not healed me 100%. And that he gave me the courage to say, eh, not everything's perfect. But I still get to talk about Jesus get to talk about how much I love him. Get, I, Paul had a thorn. I don't know what his thorn was, but I got a thorn. And it's not going away. But you know what? I'm going to talk about it because it's important. We have so many preachers in this country, the mega pastors. Look, I know we can't keep our kids from, you know, like uh, they, they're going to make their own choices. But Rick Warren, prime example, his son was battling his sexuality. A lot of people don't know this side of it. He committed suicide, and people said it was mental health. Lying whores of Babylon you are. He battled his sexuality. His parents tried to – he knew the truth about what was happening in his home. I'll just leave it at that. But he battled his sexuality. The guilt and shame drove him to drugs, and he killed himself. There's pastors, the Lentz from Hillsong in New York. Cheating on his wife. There's men struggle that are that are behind the pulpit that struggle with real stuff. They, they're gay or they're whatever, but they're still married and have a family. And they put up this front and they tell people and they preach to people about sexual sin while they're bathing in sin themselves. Isn't it easier just to be honest to go, you know, I'm still kind of a pervert. I, and I struggle with this. I, I can't. For me, having normal sex is almost impossible I was 20, I was a chem sex addict for over 20 years. Like, I, I, it normal sex doesn't register really. Good thing my wife is smoking freaking hot and I could be honest with her about all this. But you know what? Being honest about it frees me from the burden of like, oh God, what am 
are you do? And like when you're in silence and you're just your thoughts attacking you at every angle. That that's what happens when you keep secrets. But when you speak it, you set yourself free sometimes, and that it loses its power. There we go. I love it. Couldn't agree more. I love that you're doing that. I love that you did not get caught up in the dishonesty and uh, hypocrisy of the church because it really irks me. It really, really, really irks me. So it's very refreshing to hear that. Um, awesome. Well, we're going to jump to our thriving three, and I'm only going to ask one of them because we're a little short on time. My bad, man. I, I get winded. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Or we got we got through all the good stuff. The thriving three is just kind of the funsy questions. But okay. um, what is one action step that you can take right now, or continue to take if you're already doing it, to really start working with Jason Cisneros? Oh, I pick up pick up the phone and call him. Oh, I mean, are you he's my, yeah, he's my friend, so I just call him. In fact, he's already given us what he needs from us, so we're about to present that to him. <laughs> Love it. Love it. There we go. There we go. So call them. And okay. How about the media literacy centers? Any action there that can be taken? It all, it's all encompassing. We are, the way that we are set up, everything intertwines. Everything that can collaborate together when they need to, they can run separately. But our organization, the way it's structured, is meant to be this um, ecosystem of awesomeness that all interconnects and supports each other. I love to hear it. Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you. Okay. It's going to require a bit of pretext. So you know how there are people on the planet who have a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. Sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Mm. Other times they'll make the switch to more of that growth mindset, willing to accept help, willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch? Identity. I'm sorry, one more time. Identity. Knowing who you are, because if you know who you are and what you're created to do, you got no time for anything but moving forward. Um, identity is, is world changing. Uh, it, it's life changing, it's soul changing, it's heart changing. No, and it allows you to withstand the storm. Because if you know who you really are and the power that's inside of you, what God put inside of you, you didn't ask for it. You were born with it. And when you wake up and you realize who you are, <laughs> you got nothing to be but a person of action. And here's the thing. The other beauty in knowing who you are is that you can decide, you know what, today I feel like I'm not going to work. I'm going to hang out with my wife. And we're just going to kick it today because you know, you can, you're secure. You're not fearing man. And what they say, you got a 10 extra life. You got to rise and grind <laughs> like whatever. No, I honor the Sabbath. I get more done honoring the Sabbath. I get more done. If I decide that, you know what, I'm going to sleep a little bit longer. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get coffee with my wife. I get more done taking care of, the core of what is most important, and that's fam God and family, 
I get more done with focusing on that than I do anything else. But that comes from knowing my identity. I love it. Awesome. Well, Joshua, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? No, I'm grateful to be here, man. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate you. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Joshua had to say, make sure to look up gratitude unfiltered, grace unfiltered, and be in constant prayer for Joshua and his mission. Also, feel free to contact him. What is the best way to reach you, Joshua? Oh, yeah. Check us out at um, go to livemanaworldwide.org. That's L-I-V-E-M-A-N-A worldwide.org. Uh, or download our app on Roku and Amazon Fire, the Libmana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. There we go. And all of that will be in the show notes. And as we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people that need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.